You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on everybody this is bgn episode bgn episode number one seven <laughs> he is brandon lee gowton of bleedinggreennation.com i'm jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com apt uh screw up on the opening there seeing as it's eagles dumpster fire episode brandon jimmy how are you doing i haven't talked to you in so long it's nice to hear from <laughs> you again definitely not recording this episode right after we just did the nfc east dumpster fire series with all the other teams in the division we that you never. Should, yes that you should listen to if you haven't already i just want to remind everyone that bgn radio is presented by righteous felon craft turkey now you can eat the same meat snacks that the eagles do you can go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code bgn15 at checkout for 15 percent off orders 50 dollars or more Jimmy, today we're talking about why the Eagles are potentially going to be a dumpster fire this season. You know, in the time between the last two episodes that we we recorded, I took another bike ride. Mm. And this time, instead of having Fal Capone, I had, o- I had OG Hickory. Nice. I'm also off of that red meat diet that I spoke of previously. And you liked it, right? It was good. Yeah, OG, OG Hickory is good. It's like the original flavor. Can't go wrong. Smoky and savory, Brandon. Mm. Smoky, smoky and savory. Yep. Gotta love it. So why are the Eagles going to be a disaster, Jimmy? I feel like we've almost had this podcast already in the offseason, <laughs> at least. We kind of have, yeah. I mean, we, we I guess we'll, some of the points that we've made previously will overlap, I sure. guess. But uh, I think the first thing that you look at with the Eagles, and this is the, no different than last year, is you got to, I mean, Carson Wentz, 16 games started last year and heading into the playoffs, you know. 17 a lot games. of us, right? 17 games started. Yep. I mean, we, nobody was really even thinking about him as far as durability goes anymore. You know what I mean? Like, so I think he'd kind of put some of those concerns behind him. He gets hit with a cheap shot by Jadavion Clowney, and they're back, Brandon. The durability concerns. <laughs> they are. They're they're back again. Now, I talked to a doctor this offseason for our BGN Radio podcast, Jimmy, okay. uh, Doctor Edwin Porras who uh, does work for fantasypoints.com. Joe Dolan is also over there. I think Greg Cassell also does stuff for them. Definitely go check those guys out. Yeah, so he was kind of talking about why he doesn't believe Carson Wentz is injury prone and why when you look at a lot of his injuries that he's had, they're not so much um, tying to one another and they portray a That's fair. concerning like pattern as much as it's kind of just been a lot of unlucky things. But right. obviously those unlucky things have happened and the Eagles are counted for that by – Going to their quarterback factory and taking Jalen Hurts with the 53rd <laughs> overall pick. So it's clear that's part of their motivation there, right? It you, has to be. You agree there, right? I mean, what else is it? Yeah, right. They're trying to revolutionize the league with a two quarterback <laughs> system in an offseason where there's yeah. not going to be even real practices. Okay. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, I get it, but I, I do think it's unfair just in the sense of, yeah, he, he starts 17 games and like it just really, or at least it just sucks like that the conversation is about injury, but. Okay, I get it. He's had injury issues in the past. Like, I get it. I understand where it comes from, but I don't want to spend more time on it. <laughs> I guess yeah, in part I, two, because it's not interesting to talk about. It's just like... It's not. It's, it's, he, I he agree. He gets hurt, he gets hurt. I think the one point to be made, though, is self-inflicted is maybe the wrong way to put it, but they a lot of his injuries have happened when he's trying to make plays with his legs. We don't know where, where when he fractured his bone in his back, so that one's a yeah. little bit of a mystery, but, you know, certainly he was... It, it was he was trying to make something of nothing, like a, a a screen that wasn't there against the Seahawks. And that's when he took the shot from Clowney. The ACL, LCL was obviously when he's diving for, trying to dive for a touchdown. Uh, the fractured ribs. Uh, I guess that was a shot that he took when he was in the pocket. 
during the preseason game. Was that Tampa that I happened against? I thought he had like, that right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that was in the pocket, wasn't it? Yeah, I was thinking of when he got flipped over, but I don't think he got hurt then. That was just and then crazy. I believe his r- right wrist injury that required surgery his final year at North Dakota State. I believe that also happened in the pocket. Okay, but I'm not sure on that. Anyway, uh, but I think there is some validity to the fact that he's maybe opening himself up for injuries more than you know a quarterback, more of like your traditional pocket passer quarterback. But you know, guys who never get hurt. Like do you, do you really Wilson. want a pocket pass? Do you really want one of those guys, though? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing, though. Like you're saying that, but then, like, I think okay, Russell Wilson isn't staying in the pocket. <laughs> right. Derek Prescott right. isn't staying in the pack- pocket. Like <laughs> right. those guys yes. are, are getting out. And so, I guess the the non-injury number one concern that I would have, and let me know if you agree with this or not, but it's their it's their offensive line. I mean, not that that like not that that's their biggest problem area. Like certainly their offensive line. Like there's plenty of teams across the league. In fact, most of them probably would trade their entire offensive line for the Eagles offensive line in like half a heartbeat. But when you look at like what they were last year and the year before and the year before that, and really, I mean, since the Doug Peterson era, really, if there's one thing that you could count on going into any game, like any matchup, it's that the Eagles had an advantage with their offensive line. Like the, the offensive line was like never a concern area. And this year it has the potential to be that. The Eagles won the Super Bowl in large part because they had like the best trenches in the NFL in 2017. Yes. What do you? How do you feel about their trenches right now? Just as like a general, not even just asking you, Jimmy, but like you know, asking the audience here, like how how confident do you really feel that the Eagles are still going to be like? I feel like they're going to be better than most teams in the trenches, but are they? Oh, really for sure, yeah. The best? No, like I don't think no. they're. No, I don't even think you can make that case now. Uh, and starting with the offensive line, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen at left tackle quite still um, as of this recording. Right. <laughs> Jason Peters is still not <laughs> signed. And uh, although they, you know, Derek Gunn has been pretty insistent that he's going to be back. So we'll see there. But part of why, you know, like, there was a damper on the Jalen Rager pick to me. Uh, and it was hard for me to get excited about that. It's like, okay, I'm thinking about how there are all these rumors on draft day and kind of leading up to the draft at various points about how. Andre Dillard, like, you know, the Eagles aren't really sold on him. And there is this buzz that Jason Peters could be back. And at one point, Derek Gunn, who's also reporting the Jason Peters thing, said that they were dangling Andre Dillard out there on the trade market. Mm. And Tim McManus at one point earlier in the offseason had kind of didn't, you know, hard report it, but kind of had said that there were conversations of the Eagles potentially moving Dillard uh, in some form. So, I mean, that's, that's not really like, great. Not only because you have a question mark at left tackle for the future, but also like, okay, so the guy drafting Andre Dillard definitely got the Jalen Rager pick right too. Like kind of just thinking that way uh, to me, just concerning. And then, yeah, so you lose Brandon Brooks. Also, you know, you're, that's just that's not great. You can say they can survive it because of what they have or whatever. But still, like you're looking at one of the best guards in the league and probably really an underrated thing that concern here. The depth just isn't what it was. You had Big V. Big v. He yeah. was like a legitimate. Now, I, I didn't believe in Big V as like a long-term starter, like ideally. But, I mean, he's a very good sixth offensive lineman to have who could play any position except center. You just plug him in there, and he's not going to be perfect. But you can win with him. He's not going to be a disaster. Yes. I mean, he might have like disastrous moments in there. But he's not going to be like a total disaster all game long. And who is the Eagles swing tackle right now? <laughs> who? I don't know. Is it is it Jordan Mailata? Is Jack Driscoll going to be able to step up? Is it Prince Tega? Is uh, is like do they bring Jason Peters back? And so is Dillard the backup left tackle? But then okay, we know he can't play on the right side. So who's the, on the right side? Like that's all up in the air. I don't think there is one. I think it's going to be by com- I think it's going to be backup tackle by committee. Hmm. There's going to be a backup for the left tackle spot, and a different guy is going to be the backup at right tackle. I don't know the answers of who <laughs> of who those guys will be at each spot, but I think that's the way it'll play out. Hmm. So, yeah. So, Big V, you, like you said, depth is an underrated uh, uh, concern that maybe wasn't there as well. The, the way that I look at it is they're probably going to head into the season, and this is if they don't bring JP back. As the ro- I'll put it like this. As the roster is currently constructed, they're missing three of their top six offensive linemen from a year ago. Correct. And really from, you know, from, from the last three, four years. Yeah. It's, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great, especially when you have a quarterback, like going tying that back to point one, especially when you have a quarterback that you want to keep upright and you have these questions about your offensive line. Yeah, for sure. Next up, Malcolm Jenkins. How big a loss do you think that is? 
I mean, huge. we've covered this in depth, I guess, but... Yeah, we we'll, don't spend we'll, a lot of time we'll do, on it. We'll do, we'll do it again. <laughs> well, all right. But the, to me, it's huge. I mean, who has been there when this team has been, like, at a crossroads? You know, in 2017, Wentz goes down. Who is there in the locker room saying the show goes on? It's Malcolm Jenkins. Who is there in 2018 when the season looks about to be over? The Eagles are down, like, what, 19-3 to or whatever it was to the Giants at home. Who says to Jim Schwartz, we need to simplify the defense? And then who picks off Eli Manning and turns the season around? Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, you know, you could probably apply the same thing to last year. Um, it's not popping off the top of my head, but made, made, is, made the big play against the Giants uh, at the end of the year in Week Seventeen. Blitz, yeah. He forced he forced the fumble. Fletcher Cox recovers it. They score, and then that's you know that's 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 basically you know they they win the division. He makes the play against. And they didn't win this game, but they should have won the game after yep. he blocked the the uh the what was it a field, it was field goal attempt yeah. right? Yep. Like that play can't, comes out of nowhere, and they probably should have just returned that block kick for a touchdown. Yeah. You or know, at least gotten needing, in field goal range, yeah. Not needing J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to make uh, a seemingly very makeable catch at the end of that game. But they should have won that game because of that block kick, didn't win that game. Another huge play. I mean, he's had, one of them didn't count, but he's had eight forced fumbles mm-hmm. over the last two seasons, which shows that he still can make plays. But the thing that like that always stood out to me, in addition to the leadership things that you noted, was like when they played the Saints... And Peter King wrote this. Wrote, remember, like the ridiculous uh, yeah. stat the, that the threshold Peyton had about, Carson Wentz. <laughs> about Wentz. But within that article, with that same article, they mentioned you know how they were going to attack the Eagles, like how, how their offense was going to attack the Eagles' defense, and you know part of it was they wanted to attack Sidney Jones in the run game, but also like they mentioned the you know they wanted to get him out of the game, <laughs> and they wanted like all mm-hmm. these younger. Uh, defensive backs to be in the game, and the the way that Sean Payton, Payton said it was like he he wanted everyone to be looking back at number twenty seven, asking what do we do? Yeah. So I think that shows you know the level, and obviously he signed him this off season uh, after stupidly uh, letting him go in favor of uh, uh, Bird Jarris back Bird. in the day, <laughs> Jarris Bird back in the day. Uh, but I mean, I I think the uh, I, I I don't think it's what what Malcolm Jenkins brought to the table almost kind of. It's it's kind of undefinable. It's it's hard. It's, it's it's hard to see the intangibles. It's hard to see what he brought to the table, and almost impossible to quant to quantify. And I think that uh, I think I think it could bite him. I think it will be quantified by his absence. I think that's the perfect way to know. I think you'll see. Yeah. It. I, I think that's the problem. I think you'll see this year. You'll be like, oh yes, we're missing and that crazy guy. Crazy durable. He never missed snaps. That's insane, especially just given the context of their secondary. How many, specifically, how many defensive back injuries they've had? <laughs> and he played special teams too. Yeah, he, he, he didn't come off the field. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Badass. He's, that guy is just a badass. Let's get to another point here, Jimmy. Before we take a break. Okay, back after this, or not back after this? Not back. Back after, after this. <laughs> I said, let's do one more point and then go to break. Do we do that on purpose? He's trying to fake y'all out. <laughs> All right, so what do you want to get to? Alshon here? Yeah, we'll, we'll lump this. Uh, you have number points number four and five here. Why don't uh, we do that one after the break? Because it's okay. all receiver. So let's let's do the corners first. Okay, still in the secondary. As you pointed out, the Eagles secondary is still off. Or, or it's not still. They were awful last year. You, you talk about all the big plays they gave up. And they, they did get Darius Slay. So there is that. We still don't know. I mean, I, I highly suspect and believe, really flat out believe, that Avante Maddox will be the cornerback across from Slay. And I am high. I am actually bullish on Avante Maddox. Now, with that said, I also still acknowledge that he is smaller and it might not hold up. And he's had really bad games on the outside. So that could easily not work out. And then I'm thinking about how, okay, you have Darius Slay and he could work out. And he, although even though I think there are still questions about that, as we kind of highlighted when they made the trade for him, like he turns 30, he's going to be 30 at the end of the season. Uh, he's had some like nagging injury issues kind of in the lines of like Jason Peters the past couple of years where like he's kind of in and out of the lineup sometimes. So like he's, he's not like an Iron Man out there on the field in that way of like where he's not going to, he's going to be out there for every single given snap. Um, and I kind of just wonder, you know, okay, cornerbacks have, you know, we've seen it in Philadelphia where the Eagles have gotten some older cornerbacks who have fallen off. And yeah. I don't think he's quite there yet. I'm feeling better about him than other guys for sure. But like, I just think, there are questions there. There are, there are a lot of questions you still ask in the secondary. And I think he'll be better there if he, you know, is good. But I mean, it's not like they have one of the, the best secondaries in the league all of a sudden. 
Yeah, so when I looked at I looked at Slay earlier this offseason, I watched every Lions defensive snap. It, well, not every because he didn't play two games, but I watched 14 games of Lions defensive snaps, and that was brutal. <laughs> but uh, Slay can cover. I mean, there's there's little question that that he can that he can. Co- I mean, he covered opposing offenses' best receivers week in and week out, and was legitimately good against them. So I have no concerns about him being able to cover with the Eagles. The concern would be his effort as a tackler. I mean, there are just example after example. Like he just didn't. He had no interest in it. <laughs> like you, you talk about like Deion Sanders and business decisions way back in the day. Like I think he was even beyond that a little bit. Like if you could, I could have put together a low light reel. I would say of like I pulled video actually of like about. 20 different examples, I would say, of uh, just no interest in making a tackle. But I didn't publish them. I only published like seven or eight of them, seven or eight of the worst ones. And it's it's really bad. And I think maybe the thinking that the Eagles had with him is that, first of all, when he was still with the Lions last year, heading into the season last year, it was clear that they weren't going to pay him. They told him they weren't going to pay him. So his, you know, I think he was kind of bummed out about his future with the team to begin with. And then after he got traded to the Eagles, you know, he started bad mouthing Matt Patricia left and right. So obviously he and his coach weren't getting along. So I don't think that's a good excuse for not having effort as a tackler. But if you're the Eagles, you're hoping that, you know, with a more competitive team and maybe a more competitive roster and players that might not let him get away with that kind of thing, and certainly a city that's not going to get him that's not going to let him get away with that kind of thing, he will be a better tackler in Philly. But uh, I think there are concerns about you know if he's not like making big plays and he does have some of those really no effort moments, the fans are going to notice, and that that's the kind of thing that will make this fan base specifically kind of turn on a player pretty quickly. So that would be a concern for me if, if that happens early in the season. And just a, a quick add-on to this. I see you don't even have this in the your post here, but I feel like the defensive line still, specifically pressure and, and the edge rushers, like, you know, how much pressure are they going to be generating here? I don't – like Derek Barnett, you're bullish on Derek Barnett, and I, I, I am hopeful for him. But, like, he has to prove it still. Like, they're not going to be – they're not going to be as good as they were in 2017. Like, they're not going to have that same kind of pass rush, I feel like. So that kind of ties into the secondary and kind of makes you wonder, like, how, how good they're going to be when the pass rush still has questions, too. I guess that's my point there. I'm not saying it can't be good, but, like, there's still questions about it. It's not like you just have – Derek Burnett isn't a proven commodity in the sense of, like, he's going to be an elite pass rusher. So – and even if he I is – they, they had better edge depth in 2017. Well, that's the other thing, too. The rotation, at the very least, on the outside isn't as strong. The inside could be stronger, and maybe that'll make a difference. Who knows? But – I just think the the point is there's questions to be answered here. And speaking of questions, Jimmy, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, where would I kind of go if I needed help with <laughs> uh, like something realty related? Brandon, if you need to buy, sell, or even rent a home, my friend, Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors have you covered. Wow. Did you know, Brandon, that they boast over 50 years of combined experience in the real estate sales market? If you're looking for a home, (laughs) if you're looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie, understand that it's paramount that your listing pops off the screen and grabs buyers' attentions, especially in this COVID world that we live in now because, you know, uh, an appealing uh, home profile is going to essentially get them to the property. They employ professional photographers, including drone photography for overhead shots. They are experts in interior and exterior design. You can upstage your home. Uh, they just do all those little things that, that maximize your chances of selling your home and for the highest value possible. If you're looking to buy a home, you know they're, they're dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals and families with the home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. And they are expert negotiators who know the market trends and can get you the best price possible. Check out their reviews on Zillow.com. Five stars across the board for a free consultation or market analysis of your home. Text Kristen. At 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Or, as I've mentioned in the past, you can just email me. Very easy to remember. Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. Brandon? Back after this. 
back here on BGN Radio, episode 127, talking about why the Eagles are going to be a dumpster fire, or could be a dumpster fire in 2020, assuming there's a season to be had. And as Jimmy teased before the break, trying to talk about the wide receiver position here. Uh, he, he has two separate points in this article about Alshon Jeffrey having the worst contract in the NFCs. Well, <laughs> maybe Nate Soldier, but... One of the worst contracts, a top two worst contract in the NFC East at, at the at least, and uh, so you got into Alshon here, and you also have just that the wide receiver situation is very shaky as a whole, which I definitely agree with, and something I've been saying like there's still so many questions to be answered when it comes to like who are even the three starters on this team, who's lining yeah, up who where, yeah, um, can Deshaun stay healthy? Can Mark Marquise Goodwin contribute at all? Can he is he going to be on the team? Can he be effective backup? Uh, is Alshon Jeffrey going to get healthy? Is he still going to be on the team? Is Jalen Rager going to be able to make an impact right away? Because he's really the only significant addition the Eagles have made their receiver core this offseason. So you would hope so. Can J.J. Ortega-Whiteside take a step forward at all and be anything? Is Greg Ward like a factor in the equation at all? There's there's so much to answer here, Jimmy. Well, we'll start with Alshon. And um, we're not going to beat that uh, dead horse on, on the contract that that you know the Eagles kind of messed up on there, um, and you know the Josie and Anders stuff and all that kind of stuff. But what, here's my here's my understanding of his situation and where he stands as far as returning or not returning to the team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously the Eagles could trade him; he'd be gone. But nobody's going to trade for him because basically the, the it's not even the ten million dollars in cap space; it's ten million dollars in cash. Mm-hmm. So, like. You're not going to – like teams aren't going to trade for that. If the Eagles – like the Eagles wouldn't shop him in a way where they would say like, we'll give you Alshon and we'll also give you a pick if you take him. Like they're not going to shop that. Mm-hmm. But if a team came to them and they said, hey, we'll take Alshon off your hands mm-hmm. and we'll give – and but you have to give us a fifth round pick, then the Eagles would say, yeah, we'll do that. So what does that say? Like <laughs> that doesn't seem to say to me that like they're counting on Alshon to really be this huge part of the offense this year if they're so willing to not have him. So the thing with Alshon is nobody views him as a as being a bad guy. When the uh, the Josina Anderson reports came out, I guess the way that it can be viewed is that you know a, a player and let's 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 just. Let's just get it out of the way. Like it, it's Alshon that that was that source. Like there's zero question about it. Alshon was that source. Okay, so when that comes out, it looks like a player is being like malicious about it. But my understanding is it really wasn't like that. Like it, I think it was really more just Alshon was speaking freely with you know up in in a like a friendly kind of setting and mm-hmm. just. He's just kind of unaware of what, you know, that kind of interaction can become. And what it became, two years in a row, no less, was a big distraction for the team mid-season during a time when, you know, the Eagles were sort of struggling uh, at that part of the season. And negative comments that that come from, again, quote-unquote, anonymous player, It like, that. that's the kind of thing that can cause big problems during the season again it wasn't necessarily malicious from him he just doesn't know what he's doing like mm-hmm. he doesn't understand that he can just kind of speak freely with with a reporter like that and the reporter's going to use it like he didn't say like you know is off the record or, or whatever he's got to say or don't use this don't say anything about this but that that's yeah, he had that conversation and it got reported two times in a row so he just doesn't know what he's doing sometimes like he's just sometimes kind of unaware of what his words can 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 do and it's i mean that in itself is a problem because it can happen again yeah. but i don't think it's i don't think it's like a situation where like anyone who's interacted with him you know you can tell he's not like a bad guy like he's not like i don't want to call, say Terrell Owens is a bad guy but the way that Terrell Owens acted during the 20 the, you know the 2005 season was certainly malicious towards Donovan McNabb it's not that kind of situation but the Eagles kind of feel like, you know, if he has to come back, he might ha- he may have a chip on his shoulder and maybe he gives them something. So I don't think they view him as total negative value. Now, I dis- personally I disagree with that, but mm-hmm. my own my own personal belief is I think he was just flat out bad last season. Like if you want to give him credit for having that one really good game against Miami, against you know, we talk about like Eagles uh, you know, the Eagles were playing with practice squad 
receivers for a big stretch of the season last year. Well, Miami was playing with practice squad corners and safeties all year. So like the one game that he, that he had the one, the one game that he actually performed well, he was going against guys that like really shouldn't be in the league the whole rest of the season. He was flat out bad in my opinion. So I don't see the value of him heading into the season, especially now he's going to come. He's he's already slow. And now he's, you know, you got a serious injury and surgery on top of it now. I don't know, you know, how he's going to be getting open in 2020 if he does have to play. But it's a situation where they don't think he's a bad guy. But the fact that it has happened twice in a two years in a row is, you know, concerning whether it's malicious or not. Well, that's the thing. How are you expecting it not to? Are you, are you going to be surprised when it happens again? Like, how could you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me third time, strike three. Like, that's how it goes. <laughs> what is that from? That's from, it's it's from the office. It's like fool me once, yeah, okay. Strike one, fool me twice, <laughs> that's it, yeah, strike three. Um, yeah, I kind of modified it there, but yeah. So I, I pretty much echo what you said. I. I just think the wide receiver situation as a whole, though, going back to that, is there's upside. Like, maybe Alshon can get healthy, maybe, and then contribute. Maybe J.J. Arthega-Whiteside does take a step forward. Maybe Jalen Rager does look great from the jump. Maybe Deshaun can stay healthy, and I think that would be huge, even if he even if he just could. I think that would be really big. Um, so maybe some, con- some kind of combination of those things go right. It's possible, but, like, are you really saying those any of those things are particularly likely like I don't I don't think you can just bank on that and the fact that the Eagles ended the season uh with with what they did at wide receiver and only added Jalen Rager is just still kind of mind-blowing to me what do you really think about it like I don't think they've taken really every precaution to know to do something to make a move for just and I know this has come up a lot but just for the sake of comparison like you know if you get DeAndre Hopkins that's not a question mark like you, you know it's a sure thing I just don't think the Eagles really still have a sure thing at wide receiver. That's really frustrating because as I outlined in the previous podcast we did, Jimmy, the Eagles have had the worst wide receiving core in the NFL for two out of Carson Wentz's four seasons. And if that would somehow happen again for a third out of fifth, like that would be so frustrating. That'd be so infuriating. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like we're really just in the same boat again. Like this is going to happen again. And I, I, so I think there's, there's concern there. I think there's, there is real concern that this, for as much as you can be excited about the speed they added, there is a situation where it just doesn't really manifest. And all of a sudden, you're kind of just in like a similar boat where the, the wide receivers, they might not be as bad as they were last year, but they still might not be like very encouraging. They might not be very inspiring at all. Yeah, totally fair point. Like uh, uh, the other thing I'll mention too, by, by the way, going back to uh, uh, Alshon for a minute, I, like I guess if training camps begin on time, the date that was kind of put out there was, uh, what was it, July 28th. 28th. So he'll, he'll go on uh, pop before that. Mm-hmm. They, they, you have, if, if a player is going to go on the pop list, you got to you got to put them on before the start of training camp. You can come off at any time mm-hmm. during training camp uh, until the start of the regular season. I, I, I forget what the deadline is uh, prior to the start of the regular season. Yeah, it's like the so roster be, it, cut down day. It, it'll be September something. And then if they if they don't take him off pup by then, then he has to stay on pup for the first six games of the season. At, at least, which point. yeah, at, at least at six least. games. Could wait, be is, more. Is it, wait, is it six or is it eight? No, uh, IR six. is eight. Yeah, it's yeah. at least six, and it could be more. Yeah, and it could be. Yeah, he could, he could stay on longer than that. So again, I've been saying this all along. I'll be surprised if he plays another snap with Wentz, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I again, uh, as I mentioned before, they don't think it's anything malicious that he did with Wentz. Mm, again, problematic because it's happened two years in a row. Another thing that you had going back to the defense here is that it, literally the point here says trivia: name the Eagles' 2020 <laughs> starting linebackers, and you qualify that local people you know know or at least have an idea. But like, if you're not an Eagles fan, you know, just a general NFL fan or you know, fan of another team, like, like does anyone know? The Eagles starting linebackers. Can they name one? Forget who the starter is going to be. Could you name one? I wonder how. I wonder what the, what that percentage would be. I mean, because like, who really has even any kind of name power? I mean, I don't like know. Like the, the the divisional, the fans within the NFC East. I think they could. I think they could come up with Nate Gary. Yeah, probably. May, maybe. <laughs> I don't think they're getting Duke Riley. No, I don't think they're the, getting no, really no, Davis Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly so, not Davion Taylor. Name recognition isn't everything, but certainly yeah. counts for something. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on TJ, by the way? Uh, TJ Edwards? Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's the starter opposite Nate Gary. Uh, I, I I like what I saw out of him. I remember watching him in OTAs last year and knowing that like coverage isn't necessarily his strongest suit. I feel like there is something to like he is smart and kind of knows where to be and that can kind of uh, mitigate the lack of athleticism to some extent. I definitely think he could make a jump this year. Like I think he could could be a little bit more involved. Not yeah, I don't know if he's the full time guy there, like next to Nate Gary as one of your top two, but I think at the very least he'll have kind of like a Kamu role in the sense of like the playing time where Kamu was kinda of getting like at least like a third of the defensive snaps. Like I think he's gonna have a role on defense. And I know you've always pointed out that it was more run based last year, but I think he could get more than just that uh, in year two. I think they're yeah, they'd be yeah, willing to put more on his plate. Increase, I would, I would say yeah. To be determined what that role you know will be, his athleticism really isn't good. So like, uh, you know, you're right. Like he's he anticipates route combinations well, and that'll like you said that'll help mitigate some of the athleticism uh, concerns. I think like it was 70 to 80% of the snaps that he played last year were against run plays. Mm-hmm. So they purposely had him on the field when they thought the opposing team was going to run the ball. That was sort of like the, the Joe Walker kind of role, like the Danelle Ellerby kind of yes. role, like that third linebacker that they played on, on what they thought would be rundowns. Um, so to be determined how much they're going to trust him uh, in the passing game next year, he did have a lot of interceptions in college uh, at Wisconsin. So, you know, he does have some ball skills or at least awareness and can catch the, he can catch the football. So, you know, maybe he makes a play here and there. But uh, it will be – I would say I would say that against the run, he was a stud last year. But against the pass, the way I would put it is that he's untested. I think you don't have to be loaded at linebacker, clearly. I don't think the position is so important that, like, the Eagles are going to be – I don't think the Eagles season is going to come down to, like, their linebackers of course. aren't good right, enough. Right, exactly. Don't. With that said, though, like, you kind of have to have at least one guy there. And Bradham has been, like, that one guy, like, that you could at least rely on. And 2017 like, for sure he was that guy well especially and that, that made a difference like he made he was great he made a lot of plays that year and uh mm-hmm. the panthers game specifically it just like took over i don't know i i, I think you like nate gary more than most the kiston solak show as in michael kiston benjamin Solak, certainly do not like nate gary at all oh, they're not, they're not, i didn't know that that's funny they, yeah they're, they're not nate gary guys um <laughs> they they believe you know he just he doesn't have like the recognition or he can be slow to react or whatever Okay. Um, I think he's an interesting guy, kind of almost in the Derek Burnett mold, same draft class of like a little divisive there. So this is obviously a huge year for him. We'll see. I, I, I'm I kind of don't know really what to make of him in like this huge starting role as your only your main linebacker. But yeah, they're definitely not only are they they lack talent there, like starting talent, but they're also just thin. You know, <laughs> there's, there's just like I don't I don't really know what they have there, and I don't know how much it'll matter. But it's it's certainly not a position that looks good. Uh, any anything else on linebacker, Jimmy? Before we Jata- get to our Davis Brown, I, I took a look at yeah uh, in that series, and I didn't look at previous years. I only looked at like last year. It was bad, dude. <laughs> like he was. He, he signed was a minimum out. deal, to be clear. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. they didn't put any kind of investment in him. He did like his rookie season. Apparently, was really good, and then he kind of got steadily worse and worse each season. But last year was really bad. But he's mm. he's like he, they have a type at that line at that linebacker spot, like. They, TJ Edwards is really the only exception here. They they like these smaller guys. That, I don't necessarily that they. It's not necessarily that they like smaller guys, but they can get smaller guys at you know no cost or smaller resources uh, in the draft. But what they definitely do like is, is is athletic guys. So you know they they drafted Davion Taylor in the third round, smaller guy, athletic. They drafted Sean Bradley. Was it the sixth round or the fifth? The sixth round, sixth. right? Early sixth round. Again, smaller guy, athletic. Jatavis Brown, smaller guy, athletic. Uh, Nate Gary, he was a safety in college, so mm-hmm. obviously smaller guy and athletic. Kamu was for a safety too. Kamu was a, a sort of a hybrid guy, a smaller guy, athletic. So they definitely have a type of what they're looking for, and that's fine. Like I, I think, uh, you know, they they sort of know what they've identified what they want, and they're taking a lot of shots at it. Not a lot of <laughs> again. They just don't have anyone there that inspires a lot of confidence and like you mentioned it's not really an important it's not a super important position in the you know in the defense really defense in general in the nfl in my opinion but especially in their scheme like they need pass rushers especially you know when they expect to get to the quarterback with just the front four and then obviously the the, the defensive backfield has to be better than it was last year those are the two bigger areas but linebacker 
it is concerning that they really don't have much of anything there right now. The way I'll phrase it to wrap it up is like, same thing with running back. Like You don't have to have the most talented running back group or commit the most resources to that position, but there's a threshold. Like You have to meet the threshold. And the Eagles didn't yeah. meet that threshold in 2018 when they're trotting out like Josh Adams <laughs> and Wendell Smallwood and just like, you know, this terrible <laughs> yes. running back. Like You have to at least like, you know, you, got, you can't go too far in the direction of this doesn't matter. And like I, that's the question. Do the Eagles have enough to at least like meet that threshold of like this is passable? It might not yes. be not only awesome. <laughs> we, we know it's probably not going to be awesome. But like can it at least be like passing, like decent? And that's the question there. Well, well put. Jimmy, BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. The meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Steaks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. Lane Johnson is among those guys. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, PA. It uses locally sourced, all-natural black Angus beef and is committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. To give you a sample of that, they have flavors such as OG Hickory, which Jimmy mentioned earlier, and he liked that, mm-hmm. right, Jimmy? That's right. Victorious B.I.G., which is actually made with Victory Brewing Storm King Stout. They have the Baby Blues Barbecue, which I've tried. has a nice sweetness, that, that barbecue sweetness. The Maryland Monroe, the Truffalo Soldier, the Bourbon Franklin, which Jimmy has previously talked about. The Abanero Escobar, which is one of my favorites, has a nice spice. The Voodoo Chili, and the newly released Fal Capone Turkey Jerky. Fal Capone? That, yes. Jimmy. It's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. As Jimmy talked about in the previous episode, he really <laughs> likes that. So if you want to join Jimmy and you want to get in me and get in on this, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. That's BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. There's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code, by the way. So make like your favorite team and load up on the same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy, back after this. Back here on BGN Radio for the final segment of the Eagles Dumpster Fire series. Jimmy, how do you want to wrap this up? Yeah, I guess we'll look a little bit more big picture as opposed to just individual positions. And first of all, you know, when you win the division, you get the hardest schedule. Of, uh, or at least in the two floating games. Uh, like, So you face one full division in the NFC. You face one full division in the AFC. You face all your divisional opponents twice. And then there are two floating games there this year. Uh, the Eagles will play the divisional winners in the NFC North and the NFC South. And this year, those two teams both went 13-3 and last year. They are the Packers and the Saints. Uh, by comparison, the Cowboys will get the Vikings and Falcons. The Vikings might be better next year than the Packers, so that's not hmm. that's not a huge disadvantage for the Eagles, in my opinion. Saints are certainly going to be better than the Falcons. The Giants get the Bears and the Buccaneers, and the Landover-Maryland team will get <laughs> the Lions and the Panthers. Very easy uh, couple teams for the Landover-Maryland team. And then also, as we mentioned in the last podcast, just kind of an oddball thing. And it really doesn't hold true with the rest of the divisions in the NFL. This is this weird 15-year stretch <laughs> in the NFC East in which there hasn't been a repeat champion. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Here's the order. From 20, from 2000, I'll, I'll just read them all out. From 2004 to last year, 2019, bookended by the Eagles. It goes Eagles, Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Landover, Eagles, Cowboys, Landover. Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles. So, like, yeah. they haven't had a repeat champion in the NFC in 15 years. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know what that is? It's just that there hasn't – their only really, really dominant team from beginning to end was the Eagles in 2017. Yep. And they weren't really able to capitalize on that going forward. Like, the two team, the two Giants teams that won the Super Bowl during that stretch. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't really like – actually, you know what? The Giants – the year after their first Super Bowl, that was a dominant team. Mm-hmm. 2008, like they were really good during the regular season, and then they choked in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why you don't see any, you know, repeat champion in this division is that it's been pretty mediocre. I think even digging further in that, there hasn't really been this elite quarterback head coach combo in the division. You know, you look at 
teams that dominate their divisions. You know, you're thinking about obviously yeah, the Patriots right. come to mind at first, sure. and that's obviously historic. That's a uh, you know obviously rare, but. I mean, you know, you, you look at other divisions, maybe like the Chiefs. Now, you know, they have Mahomes. Like they, the NFC East just hasn't really had that. The, Sa- the Saints, the Saints uh, for sure, and I think that's really what the Eagles need to be and aspire to be, and will kind of prove themselves at, at that if they can start to, you know, be this team that wins the division multiple years in a row, and uh, is really in the meantime is kind of an argument against Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz as elite guys. In the meantime, is you know they haven't been able to do that. Now, obviously, there's other circumstances and things that go into that, and obviously the Cowboys haven't really had the coaching aspect to help them right. with that to this point. So. But yeah, I think it speaks to to the you know to boil it down to those things. I definitely think that's significant, and I don't think it's just a fluke. I really do think it is kind of representative of how you go into the NFC East every year not knowing like a hundred percent who it's going to be. Like not enough to just say like, oh, it's definitely going to be this team. I can put my money on it. No questions asked. Now, past couple of years, it's clearly been a two division race, and I think that'll be the case again in uh, this year. Although I will say there can be a surprise team when you look back in the past, like. I don't think it's likely this year, but in, in the past there have been like a surprise NFC East winner. Um, yeah, those two teams are too bad. Though. Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. But yeah, like the Eagles were a surprise in 2017. Yeah, right. We can call it that, right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't. I, I, too, it, was, it wasn't too. It wasn't like shocking. I was bullish on them winning the division that year, just because I felt okay. like I felt like Wentz could make a jump, and I felt like Peterson showed enough, and I felt like. Uh, I felt like they could contend for the East. I don't think they're going to be an elite team, but I thought they could contend. Well, 2013 would be a good example, like the first year chip. Yes. Because they're coming off a 4-12 and 12 season. Yeah. That was a surprise. Definitely agree with that. And then obviously there's years here where it's just been so close, too. Like the Eagles almost won the division in 2011 when the Giants won it. You know, like I think the Giants were like nine seven, and the Eagles went eight and eight that year. You know, they finished that the run there. But like, oh, you know, it's dream team. Yeah, yeah. Dream if, team. if just one of those games had gone differently, you know, the Giants don't even <laughs> go on that Super Bowl run. So there's a lot of you know. And then you look at 2013. You just mentioned Brandon Boykin breaks up that pass from uh, what Kyle Orton there. Kyle Orton, yeah. And the Eagles win instead of the Cowboys. So even with these, you know, it could have been different. There, there are a lot of these close. Uh, it usually does seemingly come down to the wire here, but uh, but yeah, it's so so going to the bigger point here. It's definitely a toss up, and we kind of talked about it on the last podcast. But I think the Eagles and Cowboys are in a similar boat, and that they're both really legitimate contenders. And it's it's I think it's kind of too close to call. Yeah, you who did you pick again last? last I picked the Cowboys. Was, was it the was it the Cowboys? But since it's a different time, a different day, and everything that we're recording this now, I think it could be the Eagles. Hashtag Brandon is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't go with the popular pick. I, I pandered to the uh, fan base. So yeah. I picked the Eagles last yeah. episode. That's fair. You still doing that? So I think part of I think part of that weird stretch is trivia. Uh-huh. But part of it is, you know, no, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the every, or everything you just mentioned. Like not, there's no elite team and mm-hmm. the head coach quarterback combo just hasn't been there. There's probably a team that could have done it twice and deserved to and didn't. But I don't think there's one, you know, that should have been doing it like three times in a row, you know. Do you think there's anything I missed on my uh, 10 reasons? The defensive line thing I kind of brought up there, just the edge equation specifically that kind of ties into what I said at the top of the show, like, are they really good enough in the trenches? Like, are they on both sides of the ball? Are they are they really that kind of dominant where they're going to be a Super Bowl contender? I don't think they'll be a dumpster fire because of the trenches, but I don't think – I think that kind of holds them back from being a contender, and that's a big issue. What about you? What is something that you felt like you could have maybe included that you I didn't? I struggled getting to 10. Okay. <laughs> like, so originally <laughs> I had uh, 9 and 10 as one point, What you know, uh-huh. that they have a first-place schedule. And that also there hasn't been a repeat NFC East champions since uh, 2004. That was all one bullet point. And I was really struggling. And by the time I get to the Eagles, like I'm already kind of fried. And I'm like, you know what? I'm splitting that one up. <laughs> so I, I actually had trouble getting to 10. Well, here's I one. Usually, I usually do have trouble getting to 10 with the Eagles. I have one here. How about like, what if the coaching staff changes? You know, like what, what if it ends up being like too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, or what if okay. it turns out being like, they didn't really add the right guys because Kangarello kind of had like a conservative background. And that's part of sure. the, why the Broncos got rid of him. Like what if what if those additions and, you know, we're all talking about how the Eagles are going to benefit potentially from not having uh, a new head coach and whatever, a new system in the offseason. But I mean, they are adding those new offensive voices in. 
and that was a that was a focus you know getting rid of Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh like how much are they really going to be able to implement new things with with the lack of those you know normal offseason reps and even if they do integrate like are did they choose the right guys is is the offense like how much is scheme going to help the offense because I think it I think Doug Peterson is a great coach but I think you know some there's been scheming deficiencies in the past couple of years or uh I think the coaching job has done good as a whole, but I don't really think Mike Rowe was like helping to maximize the talent. You know, I don't think he was like doing a bang up job. I, I think there was valid reason for him to go. So that's what I kind of wonder, I guess, like is the, is the coaching kind of going to be quite where it was in 2017? And again, that's not a reason why I think the Eagles would be a disaster of a team, but I think it could be one of those things again, that kind of holds them back from being, you know, like this elite team. Do you agree with me there uh, that like the Eagles aren't an elite team going into the, uh, oh yeah they're, yeah, they're not an elite team. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're no, that, I mean, who would be so, like like the Saints, right? Uh, like, who do you put up in that tier? At the top I don't of the know NFC? if I would have the Saints as an elite team. Okay, who who is though? Who would you have in the elite tier? The of, Chiefs and, and, and the NFC. Oh, uh, but yes, definitely the Chiefs, the Ravens. If you're talking about the AFC Chiefs and teams. Ravens, uh, that's it. I don't think there are any an elite mm. NFC teams because like the Niners have a really good roster, yeah. but I don't buy that quarterback. I guess that's the a Saints, good point. The Saints. Um, I would, I would the say that there though. They're, I would say the Saints are the are, they're the they're the best team. I think. Okay. When you, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're elite. And Bree's getting older every year. Yeah. You know, like. But they've just been so consistently good. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, every season. every year, you know, they're going to be a top five offense at a minimum. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's that consistency. But I again, I just I don't see them as you know, quote unquote, elite. Whereas Where would you do, rank them in the NFC? The Saints? The Eagles. Oh, the so I'd have Saints, Niners. I wouldn't have the Seahawks ahead of them. Wow. Although, would. Uh, <laughs> you would? Okay. Yeah, I mean, they can't beat them in part. Well, yeah, right. Head-to-head, yes. But uh, I, I would still say the Eagles are a better team. If that, I mean, that sounds stupid, but, you know, like the Eagles handle certain teams that handle other teams that handle the Eagles, mm-hmm. you know? Like it kind of comes full circle like that, but right. that doesn't mean they're a worse team than than the team that they just don't match up well against. Well, I just or think Russ is better than Wentz too. But yeah, I'll, yeah, I yeah. do, I do too. But I still think Wentz is like, I think he's close to being a top five quarterback. Like okay. he's kind of right on the edge there. Like as far as quarterbacks go, you know, you would take Mahomes. Obviously, you would take uh, Lamar Jackson in the short term. I think it's a toss up between him and Deshaun Watson. For like you know the short term, you're going to take Drew Brees over him. I would think uh, maybe um, I wouldn't take Brady over him at this point. No. So you know he's, he's Russell Wilson. I would take over him obviously. Easily. So he's kind of like he's close to like that top five range, maybe just outside of it. So I think he's obviously a big time plus for their roster. Wentz is. Um, I still think the offensive line is good. I'm a little higher on the on the defensive line than mm-hmm. you are. We haven't mentioned the, the the tight ends, but obviously they have the best one-two tight end combination in the NFL. I think Miles Sanders is going to be really good this year. Mm-hmm. So they do they do have a lot of things going for them. So I would put them like probably somewhere around like four or five. I'd say, like I said, like Saints, Niners are definitely better. I'm not sure about the Seahawks. The Rams are not there anymore, obviously. Packers? It's a tough one. You know, I, I can't get past that NFC Championship game. Where they just got steamrolled. Yeah, Rogers the cooks stop. towards the end of the year, kind of. They they just couldn't they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run against the Eagles either in that Week Four game. Mm-hmm. I just I think that thirteen and three record was fluky. I would, agree. I would if like if if you're asking me who has a better chance to win a Super Bowl this year, Green Bay or Philly, I'd say Philly. I think they're kind of similar tier though. The Vikings might be better than the Eagles, although with Diggs gone, that hurts. Cousins, uh, but their de- defense is very good. Kirk Cousins is a little better than people give him credit uh, for. Postseason, though. <laughs> he did win a game last year, at least. Yeah. In overtime, too. By the way, that throw, Yeah. not the one to Rudolph to end the game, but the one before that, it was a mm-hmm. deep ball. I think it was to Diggs, right? I that ball was, like, that was a perfect throw. It was in overtime. They threw All a right. deep ball to Diggs. <laughs> My producer is telling me we have to wrap up because we can't say <laughs> nice things about Kirk Cousins on the podcast. <laughs> 
Who am I missing though? What other, what other teams am I missing here? The Cowboys. You could make the case for. I, I would not. I think the Eagles are better. The Bucks. If I think the I said this to you on the phone earlier today before we call it, or sorry, I meant a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think the Bucks are the Tampa Bay Bucks are like the new New Jersey or the Brooklyn Nets. Like when they got Garnett and uh, Paul Pierce, and everyone thought like, oh, they're going to be good because they got these guys. It's like, what are you talking about? Those guys were clearly over the hill at the time, and I think it's the same thing with Brady. No, I think they'll still be. I think they can go better than they did last year, seven nine. But I wouldn't put them above the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I look at I guess a lot of these other teams, and I don't really see. No, the nature of the NFL is we're going to be wrong about some of this, and some of these teams at the bottom, or at least one, could jump up. Like maybe that's the Cardinals, or maybe Nikki Foles becomes the quarterback of the Bears, and you know I don't know, maybe he gets hot, uh, or maybe the Rams. I'm not really bullish on the Rams. I'm not going to make that case. But they're, I guess, they're still a playoff team, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Ram- not. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they are. What do, you, what do you think about the Cardinals? I think they could make a leap. Like they, That's the I one think team they could, I, I, could, I could. So I had that, like, boom yeah. roasted. I couldn't think of anything. I saw that. Yeah, I noticed to that. To disparage them. They're on the rise, baby. <laughs> they are on the rise. And there's nothing about me that annoys me yet. I think uh, I think they could be this year's Eagles. Not like I'm putting all my money on that, but I'm saying like if you're looking for a team that could kind of you know be that big leap team out of nowhere, I think they're probably the best candidate in the NFC for that. Who do you think is the worst team in the NFC? I guess it has to be Washington. Okay. I don't like Haskins. Yeah. I have the uh, I have the Panthers. I was gonna say though I could I'm also not a Bridgewater guy. Like, gee. I know he went like what undefeated when he was starting last year, but yes, geez, he, uh-huh. looked, he looked freaking awful in some of those games. Like he was terrible <laughs> in the Cowboys game, especially he was like terrible in that game. Their defense has a chance to be just, I mean, horrendous. Yeah, and maybe Matt Rule kind of. I like Matt Rule, and I am high on him, and I would definitely be more scared of the Giants if they hired him. But like, you know, what if he kind of ends up being like a, like a Chip Kelly kind of guy, Spurrier kind of guy who. Like Johnny College just doesn't belong. I don't think he will, but I'm just saying like, if you're outlining the disaster scenario. All right. Do you have any final thoughts here, Jimmy? Yeah, I got just one more thought on the uh, bottom of the NFC. So I have Panthers worst. I'd probably go Washington after that. Hmm. Giants after that. Lions? And the Lions. The Lions got to be in that mix, too. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, what do you think of the Bears? It all comes down to Fulce and what version they get of him. And if... I don't know. Because they're down there, too, for me, too. Yeah. Uh, I think it... You never not, know I'm not, a, I'm not a big Nagy guy. You a, you a Nagy guy? No. <laughs> I don't think there I don't think there are many Nagy guys. Anyway. I like a Nagy more than a Sean McVay, but that's... I think that's, that's the definitive bottom four. Carolina, okay. Washington, New York, and Detroit. Those are the... Those, that's definitive bottom four. I don't think you can have any other team in that bottom four. All right, Jimmy. I just said bottom four, like, five times, like Francesa would. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. So no final <laughs> thoughts. You got any? Uh, follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You can check out his whole Dumpster Fire series if you didn't read it already on phillyvoice.com. You can read my work at bleedinggreennation.com. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that kind of good stuff to BGN Radio, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on iTunes. Check out the other shows, Kiss and Solak Show, Seamus. Uh, from the Bleacher series, John Stolness doing the NFC stuff. The Babes on Broad just have a new episode out as of when we're recording secretly today on June 26th, but actually you're listening to this sometime later. So you probably already listened to it, but uh, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and we will be back before we leave today. I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of BGN radio presented by righteous felon craft jerky. And don't forget to use discount code BGN 15 at checkout to get 15% off. So make sure you do that. And we will be back here next time talking about something in the future. Goodbye everybody. P G N.